0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks, they remain at the top of the NFC West through the bye week. And in fact, after all of the losses this weekend, the Seahawks are the only undefeated team in the NFC that really couldn't have worked out much better. And here to talk about it, joining me is Clinton Bonner. No three in, three out this week, but I had to bring him in. So welcome in, welcome in, welcome in to Clinton.
1: Wow, that's that's rather nice. I like being on the on the other side of that. And thank you, Brandon. Yeah, it was a it was a nice bye week. You know, I did see lots of folks after the Sunday night game were over. They were like, "That was the best you know bye week ever." And I was like, "Wait a second, I'm like wait a tick. We still got Monday. We got Monday to go." And then of course, Monday turned into like a just complete dud because the Dallas Cowboys are just a absolute mess at this point. However. We take what we can get and, and we don't get upset, right? So, hey, only undefeated team. I'm here for that. And I've been enjoying my time off. I liked my bye week, Brandon.
0: I enjoyed the bye week, too. And I think I enjoyed it the most just by the fact I can look down the the the, the loss column within the NFC West. And yes, even though the Cardinals blew out the Cowboys, I guess I, I was expecting them to win. So it didn't really bother me that it blew them out. You know, it's it's one win versus a really big win. But still, looking down that loss column and seeing the Cardinals and Rams at two losses, seeing the 49ers at three losses, that's making me feeling good through the bye week.
1: Yeah, I i, I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the Sunday night game quite a bit, even though the game itself was pretty bad. It was it was not a good game. It was you know interesting to see Garoppolo get out there and play better for about the first quarter, I'd say, you yeah. know, like the first couple of drives. It, it just seems to be like systems. it was like system quarterback versus system quarterback. If you get pressure on either either of those dudes, Goff or Garoppolo, they are such paper tigers They crumble so rapidly. And it seemed like once Garoppolo got out of that like first first ten plays script, he kind of he kind of was trashed the rest of the game, and Goff was terrible the entire game. So that was kind of just fun to watch because you could just watch that particular showdown and be like, both of these, both of these teams, they really, I don't think they could hang with Seattle. Now, anything could happen any given Sunday. We, we know this already. But just watching those two teams go at it, I was like, they are a tier or two below our Seattle Seahawks, in my opinion.
0: Honestly, when it comes to the NFC West, I don't know. Like if I had to make a power ranking of the three teams behind the Seahawks in the standings, I don't know exactly how that would rate out because I can see things going so differently. The Rams have looked good offensively, but it has been against the NFC East generally, and there are other two losses coming against teams that aren't the NFC East. And then the 49ers, yes, they look like they are at least somewhat back. I don't know if they're back to the extent that 49ers fans were so excited after the game, like, oh yeah, we're back. We beat the Rams. (laughs) I mean, it, it it was a win over the Rams. And then I think Cardinals fans have a reason to be excited after kind of a blowout win because I think of the defenses, the Cardinals have been playing the biggest above expectation, but then again, I look at that Cardinals game and I go, well, yeah, uh, Kyler Murray threw one 80 yard pass and the rest were dump offs to where, you know, he didn't put up a ton of yards. They ran the ball well. And, and maybe I just look at the Cardinals as maybe having the more balanced team. and, you know we can get more into the the Cardinals matchup. I will later this week. Uh, I'll be having a, a guest on to come on and preview the Cardinals. But I guess just for your reaction, watching that Monday night a little bit, how how concerned are you, Clinton, with this game coming up next Sunday?
1: Not very. It, it's 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 for me. It's like the their front four can cause some havoc, and and yet they were going against you know a really really beat up and just decimated and and seemingly like downtrodden you know dallas cowboy team just zeke putting the ball on the ground just every other play however with that they did cause you know and even the passes andy dalton made where like that he actually made a couple of okay passes under some under some pretty big duress those pockets were collapsing on him like so quickly Mm -hmm. that was kind of it for me it's like all right Drake really hasn't done much all year. Um, you know, had a nice game, so you can't take that away from him. But again, against a hard, hard defense, our run defense has been good all year. I do not expect Drake to, to do that against us. No, nowhere near that kind of level against Seattle. Everything else was, yeah, you had that big play to Kirk, like you mentioned, where he just blows past his dude, like just poor, poor coverage. I mean, Murray does his best attempt to try to overthrow it, but, but you know, Kirk comes down with it. Everything else was just dink and dunk crap. So if we don't give up the big thing, I don't think Drake's going to be an issue. I mean, Murray is going to do what he does. He's probably going to run for 75, 80 yards and cause us to throw a soda can or two, you know, amongst the room on third down, because he's kind of a pain, pain in the took us. But besides that, I I don't see them being, I, I don't look at them and say that team uh, again, level playing field day in, day out. I think Seattle beats that that Cardinals team eight out of 10 times. Can, can Seattle lose that game? Sure, they can. Do I think they're going to? No, I think we win. I think we go to, what is it was a six of oh.
0: I do worry about the run game a little bit because yes, I, I was not so much worried about the Seahawks run defense up until that Minnesota game. But now after seeing that, I I hope that Jamal Adams gets back. I hope they have that ability to contain a guy like Kyler Murray, because I do think the pairing of Murray along with Kenyon Drake, that is something that concerns me. But, you know, that that Dallas defensive line, it it doesn't. I I don't know if I can look at that and say that's repeatable for them every single week. There's two guys that worry me, and, and one of them is Kyler Murray. The other guy is on defense, and now with Chandler Jones out for the rest of the season, Buda Baker. Had a yeah. heck of a game against the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, and Buda Baker is the one where you know I'm I'm on the East Coast, so I didn't get the the Buda Baker the Buddha Baker treatment uh, throughout you know 2015 2016 as so many people at you know in University of Washington were clamoring for this guy. So there was a lot of that this week too with like oh man we took Malik McDowell when this guy was available and went to school in Bellevue and you know wanted to be a Seahawk so badly. Uh, yeah, and and, and the, at the end of the day too, who cares about that stuff? He's nasty. He's really, really good at football. It seems that he's kind of coming into he's kind of coming into his moment. He's he's rising up as as the star on that team. Chandler Jones is out, so they're gonna lose some of that sack production. And Buda Baker is just, he's all over the place. He just, you know, I think he reminds people of like a maybe a young Earl with better ball skills, maybe a fair comparison. He's definitely showing
0: himself to be one of the top safeties in the game. And, and probably uh, he is probably already in the top five conversation. I guess I am having a difficult time. And, and maybe Earl is the kind of Seahawks comparison. I don't know if you could compare him more to even like a, a Bob Sanders, you know, the Indianapolis Colts mm. type oh, comparison, yeah. because it the one thing that I do worry about with Buda Baker is that he plays so hard that he ends up being injured on, you know, more than he's healthy. And that's what we saw from Bob Sanders is when he was healthy. Holy smokes. He was one of the top safeties in the game. And I guess I'm just going to have to see Baker's ability to play that hard and stay healthy long-term before I really say that, yeah, he's number one, number two in the league in terms of safety play.
1: I I think the dude's there. And I also say like, you know, you're looking at Dalton getting shelled and making some bad decisions back there and really with no choice, like just having to throw the ball because because of what we talked about earlier just, and also being down so early, it's just going to be a different, I mean, it's going to be a different thing. You got, you're going to have Russ and then you're going to have, you know, DK and Tyler. That's, you know, sorry, compare that to what Dallas rolls out there, especially now. These things are not really comparable. So we'll see what kind of impact a guy like Baker can have when you have a team that can keep. Them a lot more honest. They could be like, okay, you want you want to bring your you want to blitz your safety. Okay, let's see what Russ does does with that. Maybe they have some success with it, but I'm almost yearning for them for them to to blitz uh, Buda Baker and then see how you know see how quickly we could pick them apart. So I think just the threat of what Russ represents and what our wide receivers represent, it just is going to temper how can you use this guy because the threat is so looming that if you. If you blitz the wrong time, which is going to be a lot of times for us, it's going to punish you. So, you know, I just think his his ability to kind of take over a game is going to be the likelihood if he had a dial, the likelihood it goes way, way down just because of the talent we're going to run out there versus when it's Dalton, you just crank it to 11 and say, Buddha, go do your thing. And that's exactly what he did.
0: This is going to be a big game coming up for the Cardinals. It's their last game before their bye week. And coming up after that, they're taking on some AFC East opponents. They are staying home. This is a three game home stretch for the Cardinals. And one thing we did learn is that this is going to be their first game with fans. They're allowing twelve hundred fans into the game. And I mean, I don't know, Clinton, when when you go from zero to twelve hundred, it feels like isn't that the normal capacity down there in Arizona for for their home (laughs) games? It is, and they're landing on a,
1: on a nice sweet spot for us, right? With the number with the number twelve hundred. Yeah. So, thank you very much,
0: whoever made that decision. Should have gone just straight twelve twelve, and you know, just hit it right on the nose for us.
1: It would have been, you know, it would have been nice. It would have been polite of them if they did do that. Now, I do want to see. It'd be, it will be interesting, I think, to see of the twelve hundred, what percentage do you think will actually be Seahawks fans? Like, how many people will kind of find a way? You know, go on the whatever the aftermarket sites, the seat geeks of the world, pay whatever they got to pay and get into that stadium. If you had to put a percentage on there, what do you you think?
0: I'd say maybe 30 percent is probably. Wow, that's uh, pretty high. I think that's high, but I think that's also a conservative amount, too, because I think it was around 40 percent is what I heard uh, some folks saying down in Miami. But this is going to be a much smaller group, so maybe they pick the most diehardy of the diehard uh, Arizona Cardinals <laughs> fans, but
1: is, is Die Hardy the next Die Hard? Is that, like, is that
0: it was Die Hard with a vengeance, Die Hard 17. And yeah. And it's gonna take place in uh, in that stadium. I like it.
1: Yeah. I like it. If as long as they bring back Hans, they bring back Hans some way,
0: I'm in. Find it. Make it bring back Alan Rickman from the dead. I don't care if it has to be, you know, a digitized. CGI, version of him. Make, exactly. it, make it happen.
1: Shoot the grass. <laughs> you know, see, we we could do this. <laughs>
0: I love this. Let's let's workshop this over the break. Clinton we will come back. We'll we'll have to cut all that out for the for the rest of the listeners. But you and I, we have to work on this now and then come back after the break. And we can talk about some of the players to watch for the Seahawks coming up in the second half of the season. Excellent. to Clinton Bonner of Three In Three Out, we we've had it. We we've worked out a storyboard now for the the what sixth the Die Hard movie. Are we up to Are we up to six now? Or the I'm one in Russia six. that that shouldn't count. Let's just go back. We'll redo five instead of having it in Russia. We have it in uh, the the stadium in Arizona.
1: Fair is fair. Just like when I look back at the the Rocky lineage, I just skip Rocky Five. I just don't count it in the you know Rocky Balboa the sixth one. I thought it was awesome. One, two, three, four. I mean, come on. Those those are classics. Rocky Five with Tommy Gunn. I leave that up. When I don't even put it in the catalog. So same thing for me. It d- doesn't same, count. Same way, it's
0: like Indiana Jones 4. We can just, yes. they could box set all those movies up and uh, bury them in the ground with all of the, the, the ET cartridges from the Atari. Yes. Yes. It, it, perfect. Well, before we get into some of the Seahawks that we want to watch here coming up after the bye week, the second half of the season, if you will. Let's go back a little bit to the 49ers Rams game, because this was a game where I I felt like I got everything out of it that I wanted to. I wanted the 49ers to win in a sense, just because just to show people that the the Rams were being overhyped. And then at the same time, I didn't think the San Francisco 49ers looked all that great. So I didn't have anything to worry about. And now we get some news, Clinton. That's the, the injury news seems to never stop for the San Francisco 49ers with Raheem Mostert likely headed to the IR with a high ankle sprain.
1: Yeah, they're, they're having a rough year when it comes to the injury bug and then these things happen. So we're not, you know, we're not crying a river for any Niners here. And the reality is, yeah, they're, they're banged up. The The big thing that, that I wanted to point out here is that, you know, if you watch the Niners fairly closely or even a little bit, you kind of just, you know, it's even like the eye test with Mostert. To me, he is so much, you know, better just, just, Head over heels, better. Uh, if the arms and legs, the whole thing, better, better, better than Jeff Wilson or McKinnon, really anybody they run out there. He's by far their most aggressive back. He hits the hole the best. For me, I put Mostert as he's, he, to me, he's like a Pro Bowl type town. I think he's actually a really, really nice back. So if he's got a high ankle, which he does have, and they're saying he's likely hitting the IR, which we know is at least three weeks, I think it's significant, Brandon. I think that is a, a Big big hit, and what's the schedule like? We had the Niners in what in three weeks? Is that right? Or two weeks? What's- two weeks.
0: That's the it's the game after the Arizona Cardinals there game.
1: There you go. So I, I, you know, all all signs are pointing to that we're gonna we're gonna miss Mostert, and by miss Mostert, I mean we're, gonna, we're uh, not gonna
0: pretty, miss him
1: at all. We're not gonna miss Mostert at all. It's gonna be the exact opposite, and um, you know, we don't cheer for injury and all and all that jazz, of course. So I just thought it'd be really interesting to to point that out that if he hits to the IR, a team that's already, you know, sporadic on offense and Jimmy G just does not stretch the field whatsoever right now. Talk about dinks and dunks and little shovel pass to Debo Samuel. There's not a lot there. And if they lose the ability to to kind of soften the middle at, with the run, man oh man, good luck. Good luck. I th- I think we'll I think we'll have a, have a really nice day against those Niners. And one thing too, Brandon, I wanted to point out is talk about the Rams. I think the Rams are are again. It's like it's like there's a tier of a of a very good player in Henderson. I think Daryl Henderson is a is is a very solid NFL back, and yet they insist on giving the ball to Malcolm Brown. They barely worked in Acres. But when you're watching that game for the eye test view, Brandon, does Henderson jump off the page to you as he does to me as a Clearly better option where you're shaking your head, not understanding why he's not getting 60 percent, 70 percent of the carries to the Rams.
0: Through the first few games of the season, Malcolm Brown looked like the more physical guy to me. And so in terms of a sense of toughness that that gave the Rams offense, that's what looked better to me. But in the game against the 49ers, I I will agree that he looked like the better back for that offense. And, and maybe that had to do with the 49ers defense and, and a matchup issue there.
1: Bob, you know, as as Adam would say, hard tell not knowing on that one for me. I I just think he's a better back. I just think he's quicker. And I think he's I'm not, you know, I I think Malcolm Brown looks like a bigger dude. I just think literally it's like one of those things where you see Eddie Lacey out there, like, oh, that's a big dude. Yeah, he's big, but doesn't mean he's really that good. He's kind of like a Larry Holmes plotter. So I just think Henderson is again a different tier level. So I'm very hopeful that. McVay just doesn't figure this out in time to when we get to play the Rams and that he just keeps on splitting time with Brown, who I think is just an inferior back.
0: I guess the thing to me is I, I look at the the backs on that team and I don't see anyone that jumps off the page the same way that I look at with the 49ers. And so to go back to that injury and yes, you, you don't want to root for injury necessarily. And I, I've been trying to get you, Clinton, to watch Cobra Kai now. And because Johnny Lawrence, I mean, he it, it, and I don't, I'm not going to spoil too much of this for you, but in one of the latest episodes I watched, he says, you know, do you want to be the snake that kills the crippled monkey or do you want to be the snake that takes down the lion? And of course, you, you want to be the snake that takes down the lion.
1: I think I understand where he's going with that, and and I all I know in that thing is I don't want to be the crippled monkey, you <laughs> right. know, because that that sounds like a bad deal for number one. I'm getting killed anyway. Number two, I'm crippled, I mean, so the- I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I want to get that out of there. But I agree, you know, you want you want to be the one that goes goes. I, I'm assuming the, going after the big dog, going after the uh the pride, going after the king, right? So you take down the king, and 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 uh did I get that right? Did I pass I that? You test?
0: you pass that test, and I guess oh, maybe maybe the Niners still fall into that category being the representative of the NFC last year that went to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it's that. Yes, and for me, that's slip sliding away rather quickly. It's, uh, you know, I I always talk about people who say momentum isn't a real thing, uh, balderdash, I think it's a very real and tangible thing that you probably could calculate if you had enough chalk at enough time. And the Super Bowl hangover, to me, is a very real thing. And of course, injuries are a very, very, very real thing. You put that all together and you put the, the, and you really mix it up with the fact that Jimmy G is just not that good of an NFL quarterback. And this is what you get. You get at this point a pretty average team. They cannot stretch the field. They just lost their top running back and they're banged up as all heck on defense. However, I will give, I know we don't like to give too much credit to our, our biggest rivals. I don't know the dude's name yet. Sherman was shouting, shouting at him from Twitter. Number 22.
0: Yes. Jason Verrett. Uh, he yes. is, he looks like a pro bowl caliber corner, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, that, he
1: just, he just looks sticky. He looks the, the stickiest of the ickiest out there. He just looks quick. He looks good. So again, you know, credit where due. And when we get to, when we get to line up our wide receivers versus, uh, you know, juxtaposing that versus with the Rams are out there, you know, advantage, advantage Seahawks all day long. And by the way, while we talk about juxtaposing versus uh, Rams wide receivers, I really want to just say with as much clarity as I possibly can, that Cooper freaking Cup is the most overrated wide receiver in the entire NFL. The dude is not that good. He drops, he drops passes all day long. And Cooper Cup is the most overrated wide receiver the league wide.
0: League wide even. League-wide. Well, he did drop that one touchdown pass that hit him right in the hands uh, in the end zone that would have uh, would have gotten the Rams back in that game and, man, that had to be frustrating for Rams fans, but we've seen him do that against the Seahawks, too. Yes. Drop what would have been a touchdown.
1: Yeah, he dropped a game winner, what, last year or two years ago, mm-hmm. right, with, uh, with time winding down. Uh, he's the dude's not clutch. He is not that good. And there are so many. There are so many Cooper Cup fanboys out there. Just they like to say his name, Cooper Cup, and and he's he's just a kind of a lame WR two. Robert Robert Woods is legit. That dude can play. He's a he's a good he's a good one. He'd be a great two. Cooper Cup is not even legit, too. So I look forward to shutting his, you know, you know what down. And just again, we talk about tears. I just see this Seahawks team and I realize there's some recency bias and all that jazz. We're just a better team than both than really anybody else in this division right now. And. No, that's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said when we we kind of kicked this thing off. Yeah, it's easy to see where the tier is, where the Seahawks are, and trying to shuffle the other three teams in the NFC West right now, I, I kind of struggle with that.
1: I do too. Um I know this might seem seem dumb after what I just said about Cooper Cup. I still think the Rams are the second best team.
0: Mm. Um and even though and, they lost to the 49ers.
1: Yeah, because that's one game and and they and yes, and it's a Sunday night on the road. I just think they're still the they're still running Aaron Donald out there. And that dude is still, you know, the pre preeminent, uh, defensive, uh, tackle in the league. And that matters. And that matters a lot. I, I do think they're number two. I really do. Um, and then I probably go cards and then Niners, but I think they're also, I think, let me put it this way. I think they're all closer to each other than any one of them are to the Seahawks in terms of, uh,
0: tier spacing. Cooper Cup three drops on the season. Same number as DK Metcalf, but uh, quite a few more targets than Metcalf has. Not by much. I think Cup had 45 targets compared to 39 for Metcalf and <laughs> comparing those are two wildly different different comparisons because uh, Cooper Cup when he gets thrown the football it's what like a 5-yard toss usually versus yeah I think uh Metcalf's leading the league in yards per reception with 22. So uh, definitely targeted much farther downfield than cup is uh, consistently.
1: Yeah. Cup doesn't, he's not stretching the field I mean, he's, he's, he's an okay, an okay slot guy. He's not specifically stretching the field all that much. He's, I don't think he's that great along the sidelines. Um, and you know, the, whatever the air yards per target for him, I'm sure they are, you know, they're dwarfed by whatever Metcalf's are. It's, it's, I, I did, like you said, they're not really an apples-to-apples apples comparison, um, and that's fine by me.
0: Well, speaking of some of the Seahawks that we're going to be looking forward to watching coming down the stretch after this bye week, I think all of us are excited about DK Metcalf. I don't know if there's really anything more to say about that, but when you run down this roster, Clinton, who are you really excited about watching here now after the bye week to to see what they can do in this stretch heading toward the playoffs now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the for me... There's some things where the 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 die is cast and you kind of know who they are and, uh, and that's a good thing for the most part. It's like, yep, we know who Chris Carson is, we know who DK is, we know who Tyler is. Those are all good things. I'm still looking to see if we're going to get some more of that 12 personnel. Are we going to get some more of that? You know what what's Disley's quote unquote second half look like? Mm-hmm. Right? I know we're only five games in. I want to really focus on. I think Olsen's been good. He's been consistent. He's kind of done exactly what we probably thought Greg Olsen would do. Um, where I'd love to see the leap come back is where we saw Disley last week, right? He goes on that wheel route, beats his guy. Russ puts a beautiful floater right in his basket and, and touchdown Uncle Will. Can we weave him back in into a situation where it's it's not just the two dudes working the sidelines, but we really have that over-the-middle threat again, because I think we're going to need that to progress this offense. I know we're really, really good, but I want to be great. And to get there, I think we're going to need more Disley and more just tight end you know, flavor uh, throughout the rest of this year. So I'll be looking at that.
0: Yeah, only 196 yards going to the two tight ends, if you, if you loop in Greg and Will together. Uh, Jacob Hollister doesn't add that much more, so about 200 yards total going toward the tight ends on the season. And uh, that would rank them... Uh, I guess ahead of David Moore. So that uh, that's, it goes to show you of just the impact that David Moore is having on this team as wide receiver three this season. Nice to see him so far. Um, yeah. Like you said, I, I think we know what Chris Carson is. Carlos Hyde is a guy that I'm really curious about in terms of if he can get healthy with his shoulder. Cause that I feel is a huge impact to this team right now, especially, With the way the offense has been moving, because what I think the goal of the offense is, and when you're going to be playing teams like the Cardinals, like the 49ers and the Rams, if you can get two touchdowns up on those guys and they're having to go through the air, I I see all of those as more dynamic teams when they're running the ball consistently well and they can have that balanced offense and they can do the misdirection stuff and you have to be concerned about it. Whereas if if they're in position to where they have to throw, then that's going to make that a lot tougher on them. And with Chris Carson's health, I would like to keep him more out of the picture. And so given those you know tough carries to Carlos Hyde when you're up two, three scores and, and pounding the football, I would like to see him be a much bigger part of this offense than he has been so far this season.
1: I think that's a cool call out because for me, you know, um, I always harken back. I was a big Supersonics fan. I probably probably shared this analogy before. And again, I'm on the East Coast, but I was a, you know, I am a Seahawks fan. I was a huge Sonics fan. So, this was the era of, of like, you know, Kemp and Peyton. And when, you, when I would rifle through the box score, whenever Kemp was like 18 points, uh, 12 rebounds, six assists, the Sonics blew the team out. They won every single time that was the case. When it was like, 27 points, you know, nine rebounds and whatever for assists. Almost every single time the Supersonics lost that game, if that was Kemp's line, he kind of had a a really sweet spot that kind of equated to an absolute win for that team. And what I'm seeing here is, and we're bringing it back to Carson is, you know, I don't think I want Carson to be the dude who's getting 27, 32, like Derek Henry style touches because of what you alluded to. Like, Hey, man, he's been injured a couple of years in a row. He's really, really good. And if we have a guy like Hyde that can spell him and spell him effectively, that we don't need to. You right. know, if we're just, if we're up and we're, we're winning games and we let Russ do things in the first half and that allows to give a little bit, a re- little bit of relief for Carson, not just down the stretch, but down the stretch of games. I'm all in on that. I think it's a, a great concept. I hope we execute towards that. I do think it's the philosophy because I think that's why they brought. A guy like hiding because they saw not an exact clone, but enough similarities that it's like, Hey, we're not going to lose very much. If it's like, if Carson's a hundred percent, if you're just saying that, all right, then hide, then hides what 85, 90% of, of his skill set. And if you're up two touchdowns, you know, two touchdowns and a field goal, that's all you need. You're absolutely okay with that. The, the question that spins off for me, Brandon, is do you think we're actually going to see Rashad Penny this year? Is he going to make it back in? Is he going to have an impact? Is he just going to kind of get like a second red shirt, if you will? What, what do you think the fate of Penny is?
0: You know, he would be the other guy that I would put in this discussion. And I hope that he can be that number two guy, because I do think that this offense is a lot more dynamic. We just started to get a taste of it last year with the the Penny and Carson combination. And when you see that dynamic working well, I, I think that brings a lot to this offense and with Russell Wilson, you know, up toward the, the mid thirties in his attempts per game, and then you can mix in, you know, 10 to 12 carries a piece for Carson and, and Penny. Then, yeah, I, I think that could be, especially with the home run capability that you have yeah. with Penny that you don't really have with Carson. If that is all working well, and like you mentioned, we haven't seen everything that we that I think is there for uh, the the two tight end sets and, and getting Disley and Olsen involved yeah, that's just another dynamic of this offense that that could be exciting in this remainder of the season.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, folks who listen to three in three out and just other other things I've joined you on, they'll know, like I am, listen, I love Chris Carson and I am not, not a big fan of Rashad Penny. I just have not been since his career began in Seattle. And with that, I'm also, you know, man enough to admit that some of the holes Carson had this year, as much as I love him, I'm like, oh man, I think, I think Penny might've taken that one or that two to the house Mm -hmm. where it was like, oh man, you know, Carson got a nice seven, eight, 12 yard run. And there was such like a, a a lane that opened up or a cutback that it's like, oh man, if that guy just had that, that, that zero to sprint speed that Penny does possess, he's gone. He's a shoot out of the can and kind of gone, which we did see at the end of last year. So as harsh as I am on the guy, I'm with you. I, you know, if we can get him back healthy and get that element of, you know, that those are those game breakers, right? They're the back breakers. Let's say you're up ten points. It's you know eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and Russ hands off on a, a second and two from like our forty, and he's gone for sixty yards. It's game over. It's it's a it's just a he has that kind of nail in the coffin type potential every time he touches the ball. And it's just, you know, I always use analogies from other sports. It's like the specialist in the bullpen. Like you get that woven into this mix of of offensive potential. And I think it's watch out for the rest of the rest of this NFC because, you know, we're the only undefeated team left, so which is nice.
0: All right, Clint. Well, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball and, and maybe give one player each here before we get on out of here of guys that we're excited about in the second half of the season. Or maybe not even excited about. Maybe it's a guy that you need to see more of. From this defense, because this defense, uh, gosh, it, it is the the weakness of this team so far. It's everything that everybody points at in terms of man the the Seahawks. You know, we can't put them. I, I looked at the NFL Power Rankings, NFL.com, and the Seahawks are at number five. And yes, they're the top team in the NFC, I think. But uh, it's it's all of these AFC teams that seem like the more complete teams, like the Ravens, the Titans the Steelers and the Chiefs because they don't have defenses that appear to be a liability. So who are, who is the guy on defense that you're looking at here uh, after the bye week?
1: So I think for me, I, I have a couple and I, and I'll go with one this way. I could, you know, gracefully get it back to you. Cause I don't want to take up two or three of them. I'm looking at three of them. I'm going to hit, I'm going to do the old, uh, the old Rocky or hit the one in the middle. I'm going to go with Dunbar. I'm just going to go with Dunbar bec- because it's a matter of a couple of things. Number one, He's he's been dinged up a little bit, right? He missed he missed a little time, mm-hmm. and he's also the new kid on the block here too. So you know we we understand what happens when Trey has to play lots of lots of downs or start the game, he gets picked on, and that's just how it's been since the middle of last year. Obviously, it was a, it was a big hole in the, the loss to the Packers, and it continues this year. Dunbar, it's he's had these moments. He's had a couple. of, we say two interceptions, and he's had a couple of uh, you know nice plays, and he's also had. Like technique wise, I'm not fully sure he's he's all the way there just yet. We heard a lot about it in the uh, the off season, that he already knew he already knew the kick step. He was familiar with the uh, the philosophy, et cetera, et cetera, the technique. And I'm not seeing it just yet. However, that's the guy I got my eyes on. I want a stay healthy, young man, and then you know B, C, D, and E. Can he execute you know opposite of Shack and just really solidify those two corner spots? Obviously, Adams comes back healthy, and then it's a different ball game. But that's the dude. It's it's the that to me it's the biggest glaring spot where we struggle the most when he's not on the field. And I think the biggest opportunity to dial up where he just gets more acclimated, knows the system better, plays more instinctively, and we see the the harvest of that, if you will, in the second half of the year and when, when the uh you know when when the snow starts hitting the ground.
0: I thought about going with Dunbar too with mine, but. The reason why I didn't was because I mean, there's so many places where you could go in the secondary, right? You could go with Quandre Diggs because I don't think mm-hmm. we've seen him at the 2019 level that ended up, you know, getting him selected to the Pro Bowl and in, in such a short amount of time. I feel like Dunbar, uh, I know what he is, and that is at the very least better than Trey Flowers, and so that's what at least led me to to maybe not go with him. I'm excited about Ugo Amadi. He's probably the one that excites me the most yeah. uh, coming up out, out of the bye week to see what he has the potential to do. But you know what? I I think I'm going to go with the defensive line here because the one guy that I feel has that ability at least to provide the most amount of pressure that we've seen through the first five games has been Benson Mayoa. And it hasn't been great, but it has been enough that I – if this team is going to be talked about in those, you know, if he's going to break Dan Hanses's, uh power rankings and, you know, get him, get the Seahawks into the top four. Finally, I think it's going to have to be because of what Benson Mayoa can do in pressuring the quarterback and being that guy who can consistently provide pass rush on the defensive line.
1: A couple things there for me, like number one, the fact that we're not in the top five is, is well, we are. <laughs> we are five. We're not top four.
0: We, we are five. Man. Yes.
1: Yeah. Absolute joke. Just just an absolute joke. So just hang hang that on the, the locker room for Seattle and just point at that and, you know, tap it, do what you got to do, dance around it and point to it again. When, you know, when we win our next couple of games, I mean, uh, at least cou- he
0: didn't put the the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Green Bay Packers ahead of us like I think he had before
1: yeah well like you know that's that's a start, I suppose right but we've seen lots of analysts come around throughout the years you know like Pete Prisco per se right as as one uh so you know let you know what power rankings are what they are they have they have us fifth maybe because we have five wins maybe that's why he just he got confused it's like okay five wins they're fifth it's all good um we will crack that and then
0: some is my prediction yeah well all what? of the all of the top five teams have five wins. So I guess I guess he thinks that the Seahawks are just the worst of the five win teams.
1: OK, that's uh, fair and stupid. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, the 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 piece for me with Mayo, he was also on my short list. Oh, no,
0: I was- he had, I forgot the Bears. See, I don't even think about the Bears being a five win team at this point. He has them all the way down at 11. I bet the I bet Bears fans are upset at uh, Dan Hansus.
1: Well, that's also kind of dumb because the Bears can play defense. You know, like, you know, you know, that thing that most teams can't play in the NFL at this point and the Bears actually can play. And by the way, so can the Bucks. And I think we're going to, you know, back to our, our Seahawks here. I like the Mayo call out because, all right, you know, maybe he's not there. He, uh, he's not, he's not freaking Frank Clark or he's not a, uh, you know, JPP. He's not, he's not that kind of dude. Fine, but he's been clutch. He's been he's been there in big moments and when he get when he's getting to the quarterback he's either you know causing uh, a couple times he yeah, had the one that he he got there maybe yeah, the to the fumble arm, maybe the cousin, didn't yeah. had the sack fumble he also caused an interception with the the Barton Karch Karai you know so yes. he's been he's been super super clutch and it's like you said it's been enough and it's been in big moments so I'm okay with that you add in Snacks Harrison and then let's see Will it be Collier? Will it be just getting Adams back? Will it be the other guy I had circled too? Was just you know what are we going to get from Jordan Brooks? Are we gonna are we gonna get a speed guy? Are we gonna get a are we gonna get a difference maker that actually hits the field quite a bit? Or are we gonna just get a whole lot of uh, Cody Barton in this you know quote unquote second half? So, but I like the Mayo call out Brandon. I think he's been. He's quickly become one of those, you know, we kind of have that, I forget what team it was, probably several within the history of the NFL, but like the, the you know, the, the no-name line, the no-name defenses, right? right? We kind of have one of those this year, uh, especially- yeah,
0: kind with, of. With the, with the <laughs> Almost certainly. Four,
1: the, yeah, the, the front four is definitely a no-name defense. And that's okay. You know why? Because we got all all world linebackers and we have uh, one of the premier safeties in the game. So, you know, you can't be great in all spots, but when you have role players like Mayoa doing his thing- uh, you know what, what? What has he got so far? Does he have three sacks? What's wheres what does he have on the year?
0: According to Pro Football Reference, they have him at two sacks.
1: Okay, two sacks, and maybe he had a couple other plays that again caused that that Karch Karai tip uh, tip interception. So, all right, you know, if if that dude ends up somewhere in the seven, eight, nine range in sacks, and just is consistent all year long, are you happy with that?
0: I, I think I would be okay with with Benson Mayoa being our Kent Steffes to the uh, Karch Karai of Bobby Wagner on the defensive side of the ball.
1: I like how you 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 got back to it and you corrected it. People have got to go back to the tape, but you corrected a, a, a egregious error weeks ago, not knowing a late eighties male volleyball player. How
0: dare you? I know I, I had to bring it back. And because people have pointed it out to me in, uh, you know, via social media channels, you know, it, it was Kent Steffes that uh, was the setup guy for cry
1: Well, I think you set that up beautifully, and and uh, you know, and this has been a fun discussion, Brandon. The bottom, the bottom line is like, hey, we're at this point in the season. The early buy was—I don't know about you—like emotionally for me, it was actually a great. That was a perfect time for an early buy this year, and we got Adams. Let's see if Adams can come back and make it back for the Arizona game. Arizona's on a short week. We're on a, we're on a bye week. I just think this sets up for Seattle to come in and just, just game plan and just beat a, beat an inferior team. And, you know, of course it's a Seahawks game. We'll probably win by three, win by six, win by seven. I wouldn't be shocked if we win by 10.
0: I do like a double digit win in this game, but like you said, just the way that teams are able to come back, at least to put points up on the board late and make it look close. I think, that has the potential at, at, at happening in this game. But I do think that this is going to be the time of the year where the Seahawks will be able to set themselves apart from the rest of the NFC West. So that is one big thing that I'm looking for over these next few weeks, Glenn.
1: Yeah, it's what, what do we got. This is this is the gauntlet, right? Three, four, five week stretch where we have division rivals and then like a tough road trip out to Buffalo yep. and games like that. And then it gets real soft, real fast to kind of take us down the stretch before the last couple of games.
0: Four of the next five games are against NFC West opponents, starting with the Cardinals on the road. And then we get to come back home and take on the 49ers before a road trip with the Buffalo Bills, LA Rams, and then back home against the Cardinals.
1: Yeah. So, this is, this is it, right? This is, but, and, and the beautiful part is, is when you set yourself up and you go five and O, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not one to sit here and be like, oh, 72 Dolphins, watch out. Like we're going 16 low. I don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. I just don't, I just don't think that's even great. If it does happen, look at the, look at the pats from a couple of years ago, when you go five and O, if you get through a stretch like this at three and two, what's your record at that
0: point, Brendan? Oh yeah. It'd still be eight and two. And how's that feel? That feels really good.
1: And then who do we play? If we were eight and two, who do we play kind of on the heels of that? How's the rest of, you know, that stretch set up at after 10 games?
0: Well, it's, you know, the NFC East, it's not looking like a good division this year. And <laughs> Those last six games on the schedule, three of those are against NFC East teams. You know, the rest of them that aren't the Cowboys that we played. Uh, and then not only that, the Jets are on the schedule, which I don't know if they're going to get any better. And then closing out the season with the Rams and 49ers. So uh, it does seem like the division opponent. it's, It's the division opponents and the Bills that are the toughest teams left on the schedule. And again, I don't have a picture of how good the rest of the NFC West is. And these next four games are going to allow that to shake itself out, I think.
1: Yeah, and I'm ready to shake with it. I'm ready to shake with it. That's uh, that's where I'm at. I, I'm, I'm fresh. I'm ready to hop back in, and I cannot wait to join the flock in the Discord and, of course, on, uh, on the Seahawkers pod, Ring of Honor, all week long to get fired up for this uh, this big tilt versus the Redbirds.
0: If you want to join us there, get the com and sign up at the $3 level and above. Get you in the Discord group. You get to chat with us on game day. And so check that out. GetintheFlock.com and Clinton. I think with that,
1: there's only one thing left to say.
0: Go Hawks. Go Hawks.